Hello. Hi. Hey. Welcome to Platicast, an audio collage that's as processy, creative, intuitive, and messy as its creators. As queer Chicana traviesas, we're here to reclaim our voices, our process, and our coyote medicine, and we invite you to step out of the realm of the ordinary and take a deep dive into the mystery of what wants to be. This is Marta. Welcome back and thank you for joining Jeff and I as we review another episode in the Sandman series out on Netflix. In these episodes, you'll be hearing from Jeff, who has a long history and familiarity with the Sandman graphic novel series. You'll also be hearing from myself, who will be watching this show with fresh eyes. So gather around the virtual campfire as we dive into another episode of The Sandman. So episode six, what'd you think? Well, um... You know, I, I keep issuing a lot of qualifiers saying it was 30 years ago that I, I read these comics and I'm old mm-hmm. and I question my memory, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there were so many scenes in here that I remember from the comic book because I think this was one of my, one of my favorite issues of the Sandman. Mm-hmm. I just absolutely love the two basic stories that we saw here and yeah, I, I, I loved it. I really did. What stood out to you? Well, I love, I've, I've said this so many times in our conversations before, I, I love stories that go about discussing what it means to be human told from the perspective of characters who aren't human, because they're, they're examining it with, without the baggage of, of the excuses that humans make, the rationales that we have. And that's what this starts out. Dream is just very, um, he's having emotions very human emotions and he doesn't get it he doesn't understand what these emotions are and and he he very much considers himself above the humans like he's insulted when his friend hints that he might need a friend Mm -hmm. and he's offended that you 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 think that me someone like me someone who's so above you all needs this um yeah the fact that we saw him have his hissy fit later, it's like, yeah, that's, that's he very much considers himself different than these humans. And it was just so, death is so casual and so excited by things. There's this energy to her, this thrill of, of the experience of life and the potential there. And it's so interesting to see her trying to tell Dream what's important in existence. To, to pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to your big sister. Ask mm-hmm. her how she's doing. Have an apple. Feel the ground under your feet. Basic, basic things that are really important. Then to see him having flashbacks of his growing friendship with a human. Mm-hmm. 
that was really, it's really neat to see him because time isn't really such a, an issue with him. It was really interesting to see that grow over time. And then of course his miss, missing their date because he was locked away and unavailable to see that that was really important to him. That was, um, I, I just love the character development and, and the talks about what death means. So that it was just like fascinating to me when I, when I originally read it. And then in the context of dream, seeing what that means, mm-hmm. what life and death means to him, who's, who's endless, you know, it's, it's like these annoying humans and their short lifespans and their silly, silly desires and fears and things. And it's like to see that in a bigger context that he needs them like they need him. And that was kind of, um, it was nice when, when death summed that up for him. I just thought it really, I thought it was, the writing was really tight and supported itself all over the place. It kept reinforcing the themes. I, I loved that. I just really loved this, this issue. In episode one, they talked about how Dream was um, captured in this house for a hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. And so when that was the case, did it, ring any bells to to this issue considering this issue is very heavy on the hundred year thing no i i don't i don't think it i i was taking it just one issue at a time mm-hmm. and everything and just the smatterings but um yeah i just think it's so wonderful just that um story creation of that story you know this seemingly benign detail that actually has pretty significant meaning in a greater context, right? Getting to know this character dream on a, on a more personal level. Mm-hmm. When we saw the trailer, I think we both had the same reaction to seeing death for the first time. And it was just this, I don't know what it is about the way she was talking to that man with the violin that I just, I got weepy. Like I could feel myself wanting to like tear up. It's a, there's a, a beautiful softness about her. And I love how she doesn't play one note. Mm-hmm. She treats each, each person um, as an individual. And like, like the baby, yeah, we could tell that she was having a conversation with the baby when she said, no, you only get one. Mm-hmm. That's a very common response to mm-hmm. people dying. And, um, and then when the soccer player mm-hmm. who apparently like probably hits a lot of people in the head, um, when, when she saw him again, yeah, she was very playful. Uh-huh. Missed Just... you by that much, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Come here. I have to show you something. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, yeah, she was very supportive and very friendly with the old man. She was supportive. I mean, she's always supportive, but it's nice to see that. But she was very gentle with him, but yeah. not gentle, but not patronizing or condescending. Yes. Yeah. There's so much respect in how she was talking to him. Yeah. And the person who was getting really upset because, because his fiance was just right there mm-hmm. um yeah she was very firm mm-hmm. and so it's like no you don't get to make a phone call this is your time you have to go on and um because i imagine she's had a lot of people want to fight her 
and everything. But yeah, she's just, she's very compassionate. But yeah, there are the rules. And yeah, she's very on course while she's being compassionate, while she's doing it. And, well, and that's her thing. Mm-hmm. I hope that's not the last time we see her. The way you've described this character to me, Da, um, seems very accurate to how this actress is portraying her. Yeah, I, I love what the actress is doing because it, the character feels very familiar. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Because even in her own body language, the way she would stand and where she, how she would hold her hands, how she was holding her weight. You know how like when you shift your weight to one leg or the other? Mm-hmm. And she was very balanced. Just amazing. I mean, I just feel like she really portrayed this character so fully with her voice and her face and her body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like everything. It's very, and her, yeah, it's just such a full, full, full representation of, uh, I think, a very, a very loved character by, by many people. This is our second glimpse that we had of Desire at the end. Mm-hmm. Could you tell who Desire was talking to? I think themselves. Like just talking out loud. I didn't see anyone there. In the comic, the way that the like each of the Endless has their own house, mm-hmm. basically a place they live. Dream has his palace. Death, when she's not out working, she has a couch, a goldfish, a teddy bear in just a big white empty space Mm -hmm. that's where she hangs out and apparently she has floppy hats because she likes floppy hats and each of their homes has what look like framed tokens the 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 symbol of each of their their siblings so that's Mm -hmm. how they summon someone so like each one of them has a little onk and that's how they would summon death Mm. they would get the onk and and, um yeah and despair has like a hooked ring that Mm. she slices herself up with when she gets really overwhelmed and so everybody's got the symbol uh, that represents them and that's how they talk and so what we saw i believe was um desire at that gallery it looked like little framed symbols mm. there and mm-hmm. so I, I thought they were talking to someone else but then desire kind of flips back and forth too maybe it's a personality thing i don't know but um i thought that was really interesting that they were talking about like yeah, he's he's out. The plan failed. Mm-hmm. But, but I have a new one. It's like, huh. Yeah, and that that yeah, I would imagine the thing is that, you know, having this this man desire Yeah. And youth and desiring those things. So much so that he captures dream by accident. Yeah, and I wonder if the accident I wonder if because I, I, it's been so long, I don't remember what's behind this. So um, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if Desire had anything to do with being able to um, divert it from death mm-hmm. to scoop dream in. Yeah, and it was it was so... I, I, was, uh, I hadn't made that connection until, like, right as he said it, uh, where Dream was saying, um, was telling, telling death that you you were meant to you were the one that was meant to be caught and she said she knows mm-hmm. 
And she had told him while they were walking that they had had one family dinner while he was gone. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she had made a comment about the, the rivalry between desire and dream. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Or, um, yeah. So it just makes me wonder, or so tempted to grab my comics and <laughs> find out, but I'm trying to watch this fresh to see where it goes. Yeah. See, it's like, yeah, what is going on here? I have no memory. That's kind of fun. So looking at the 500 years, right? Was it 500 years that they went back? No, more than that, right? I think it was four or five, but yeah, I, I, I don't recall. Because they went back to like the 1300s, like 1399. Yeah, yeah that's when okay. it started, yeah. 19, so seven, 700 years, or well, 600, yeah. 600. Okay. So they go back about 600 years, and as they're going through this timeline, you know, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, you could live a hundred years, right? Mm -hmm. And imagining, you know, you know, I'm 50, so I'm like, can I imagine living another 50 years again, and then doing that six more times? Mm -hmm. And suddenly, 600 years doesn't seem that very long. Well, I think too. What what I love about that character is he's just got this zest for. The potential. Right. And it was really cool how, I mean, just even taking a bite of this piece of fruit was just the most amazing thing. And like, I've got this going on, I've got this going on. And and then when he said like, you know, the time that they met where he had lost everything, he had lost everything within the period of like 20 years after their last meeting. Mm -hmm. And he said like, yeah, the last 80 years, I've hated every single moment. And then when Dream asked him, are you ready to die then? And he seemed offended. He was like, well, no. Yeah. No. Because <laughs> there's still so much more to see. And he's just so excited about everything. And that's, yeah, that's brilliant. That's wonderful. I I, I just love that. Um, and so that was, you said that was a storyline in in a previous issue. Yeah. It, yeah. It's from, mm -hmm. it's from this comic. And yes, I've told you about that several times because it just, that that's the one thing that stuck with me all these years. I just, I just love that character. He just wasn't going to die. He just wasn't ready to. Even at his most, even at his most destitute. Because he still knew there was more. Mm -hmm. Because things change. Even though he was despising every minute, every second. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, would you call that hope? Would you call that that connection to dream? That that's what's keeping him alive, you know? You know, I th in a very basic sense, I think so. But then it, it's funny when you look at it, and it's like, um, because so often when we see hope, it comes out of desperation. Because when everything is going our way, we don't hope for things. We just, we, we're great. We're in the moment. Everything's fine. We don't have those hopes. So hope is so often, um, it, it it's what keeps us going when we're feeling miserable because we hope things will change. But he just seems almost like it's almost like a faith. Mm. He just knows that things it, it's like, he's just so sure that something cool is going to happen just around the next corner. He's going to get involved in something, you know, learn this and yeah. get better at that or whatever. And, and um, 
so yeah, I, in a basic sense, yes, I think hope keeps him going, but he's so sure of it that I think it, it almost passes over into the realm of faith. Mm. He knows something mm -hmm. is coming. And I think that's really interesting that Dream was attracted to just seeing what will happen with this guy. What was that original intent of this guy getting this eternal life? Well, it was almost like a bet. Mm -hmm. um, Dream just really wanted... Dream didn't believe that that he would would keep going because he said, you know, every mm -hmm. everything falls apart basically, and yeah, this guy will be wanting death just mm -hmm. like everyone else. And uh, I think Death thought she she must have seen that there was something really neat in this guy, and also it'd be interesting just to see, you know, show her brother that there's humans are complex, mm -hmm. you know, and. Um, as he's really having trouble figuring out where he fits in things, who he is and what kind of emotions he may or may not have. Um, it's really neat to have him meeting and comparing notes with this guy. Well, not really comparing notes cause he doesn't give any information, <laughs> but um, to get briefings yeah. of the last hundred years from this person's experience. It, it's really interesting. It's a, it's just like what we were saying about Matthew you know, Matthew is such a lively, fun character that's so different from Dream. Mm -hmm. But then we saw Dream smile mm -hmm. when he called him friend. Yeah. that That's a really big deal with what we've seen of, of his personality. <laughs> he's really learning more about he, he He's expanding. He's becoming more. Well, yeah. And then there's that scene where when him and death part ways... And you can tell that he's received this, you know, pep talk. Pep talk, okay. He's received this pep talk from death, and they part ways. And he's walking through the, you know, the corridor, the out, you know, outside. And that man is coming out of the shop, and he has this, and and Dream has this really pleasant look on his face, like he's. Um, like he's smiling just a little and just pleasant. Mm -hmm. And the uh, guy's like, Oh my God, like <laughs> doesn't, he's like, Oh my God, just freaked out and kind of, you know, goes back in the shop and everybody else who's coming towards him and he's bumping into or is kind of like annoyed with him. I thought that was an interesting scene. It's like, uh, gosh, it reminds me of something and I can't remember what it is, but it's that kind of portrayal of like a really hard character uh, intimidating character who tries to smile and everybody freaks out because they don't know what the fuck to do with that. Mm -hmm. It's so out of character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the guy with the glowing white skin and dressed all in black, it's like, yeah, that's not, that's mm -hmm. not the person you would imagine to show up at your party to cheer up the children. Yeah. He's, uh, he looks distant at best form formidable mm -hmm. possibly. So, um, it's just funny to me because it was like, he couldn't pull off, being with people the way his sister could mm -hmm. like it looked like there was a minor attempt of like oh okay right yeah maybe there's this other way <laughs> to be in the world it's like oh nope guess not <laughs> oh sweetie you knew at this <laughs> you keep trying yeah and the scene in the tavern where he did get insulted by this guy saying you know well you're lonely i'm, a, I'm your friend you know Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that being what you mentioned earlier about dream feeling like he's or believing that he's above humans. 
But I felt like there was something else about that. I can't quite tell. He's connected to people. I mean, he's got Lucien and Matthew, and he had Jessamine at one time. So the concept of friendship, it still seems very foreign to him, even though he has relationships, connections with people or and, and living beings, you know? He does have, yes, he has relationships with people. The connection is what is confusing because I think like the, the ferocity of his reaction to that statement, um, the fact that he was offended. Very offended. Very offended. I think really shows that he's very aware that he he's royalty. You know, he he's the king of the dream realm. He this is him. He's this big powerful thing. And why would he lessen himself, cheapen himself to to try to relate with these these things? <laughs> and that was death's whole thing. It's like we're here because of them. We right. need I need them like they need me. Yes. And so I think that was such a powerful thing. And and then yeah, it's like I said, the parts of the story just keep reinforcing other parts it just keeps itself going mm -hmm. and um yeah because that's a really horrible thing to react to somebody i mean obviously he's been showing up right for several of these meetings and then to like tell him basically well you don't matter i i i'm offended and i'm going to storm off mm -hmm. i'm offended because you think i'm your friend yeah i need a friend yeah so and, and it was interesting because like you know like a hundred years later when the guys listening to find young cannibals and confessing to the bartender well like yeah i think i was stood up and mm -hmm. it was my fault mm. it wasn't your fault you didn't say anything wrong yeah your partner is just pissy i hadn't really thought about this the huge difference between 1889 and 1989. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that seems like a 300 years could get crammed in between those differences. But that's, that's huge. Well, it's funny. Yeah. I like got their first meeting. What they, what they were, what he was saying that was so great was we have chimneys now. Uh-huh. We have handkerchiefs. This is great. Uh, yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah um, wait till you're walking around with this huge fucking cell phone. <laughs> yeah, because those first couple hundred years, you know, two, three hundred years, didn't, I mean, there, there was some difference, but not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Maybe the clothing and everything. What the heck was up with Joanna Constantine being in this episode? Yeah, that was so funny. It's it's like, because that's the era that she's from. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, apparently she was interested in like trying to learn these secrets and whatever. So that gives us some hint about what she was I mean, she must have learned some kind of magic along the way to keep herself going and get the become the the person and the agent that we saw mm -hmm. earlier. So that was kind of cool to see that. Yeah, I saw her and I'm like, God, that looks like her, but is it her? I can't tell. Quite like I wasn't too too sure about that because when when she's first introduced here, I didn't get any hint that she was from another time. I don't think. I thought she was of that time. Yeah, and I, I didn't recall that either. Mm -hmm. I just, I, re I really was struggling with, did, did they just like regender John Constantine for some reason yeah. for this? I, 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 I had not remembered that she was a separate character that, that Neil Gaiman created, even though it's blatantly, it, 
I mean, yeah, it is John Constantine mm -hmm. with a longer timeline. Yeah. So that's interesting. So yeah, it, it makes me curious. I want to brush up and find out more about like, what, what was she doing? But, but yeah, that was kind of cool to see her there. And it was interesting that he showed her, her scary dreams. Mm -hmm. She stayed under her nightmare, which is so like, <laughs> that's where we first meet her is she's in a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Right. And he told her at the end that that nightmare wouldn't bother her anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so curious about her character. I really like her. I like the character too, but I really like John Constantine and they're so similar. That's uh, very confusing. I have to say that so far, these last few episodes have felt very therapeutic. Yeah, I could tell. I've been, you know, I've been taking those uh, year to live classes for the last three years mm -hmm. and, um, and for a while have been trying to come to terms with death because there was so much of it going on, you know? Yeah. And I really didn't have issues with it for a very long time until more recently after losing so many people. And I have to say that just hearing hearing Death talk and what she was saying and the way she was saying it and the way everything she was doing, it felt like so much of the work or so much of, yeah, so much of the work in those classes um, kind of seemed to come together. That's really great to hear. I mean, not fully, but so much so. It's that thing of like, you know, you can hear somebody say something, you can hear the same message over and over again from various people. But for some reason, there's one particular person who says it and you're like, oh, I understand that now. Right. Well, what you've been working on, too, is a, a class that's designed to be taken over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. And this was half of a comic book, mm -hmm. not even the whole comic book, but mm -hmm. half of a comic book, a conversation. And she says things very clearly. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's... Um, when, yeah, I remember being really struck when I first read it because I just thought it, it was wonderful how concise these things were. They're, they're just, they're very basic and profound and mm -hmm. just, just all of this all at the same time, just summing it up. This, this is what it is. And um, yeah, we're all going there. Will I see you again? You will. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dude. Mm -hmm. Well, that's neat. Yeah, that, that, um, that the comic was able to um, make some connections with other things that you've been working on. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, just overall so far, these episodes have felt very therapeutic lately. We'll see what the upcoming family um, sibling rivalry Good does for night. you. My God. <laughs> yeah. I can already, you know, imagine what that could be. Hints we've seen hints at some kind of terrible um, mm -hmm. sibling backstabbing. So yeah, let's see where that goes. <laughs> it felt like a nice long episode, like really good length. Yeah, it did. 
And again, I felt like, like the last one, I felt like this one felt very self-contained. This was like, like, yeah, you could hand this comic book to someone mm-hmm. and not give them a lot of backstory. Just, just, yeah, just read this, you know, just see what you think because you don't need to know yeah. all these things. Well, you know, and just thinking about the, the way this episode started and how it ended, right? Where dream is feeling very empty mm-hmm. and purposeless and disillusioned even just the way he was pulling the bread and just like flicking it like he just could fucking care less <laughs> whatever you know and then he you know the episode ends with him with this happiness on his face calling this guy his friend and apologizing to his yeah. friend yeah that's a big deal that's a very big deal probably the softest i've seen him so far yeah, it's it's really cool. There's um, a lot of movies, you know, you have your hero and, and they, um, your hero or the person you're supposed to identify with, mm-hmm. since they're not always the same. But you get these characters that don't have any development. They are <laughs> they are who they are throughout the whole thing. And you're like, kind of like eh, yeah, you're doing some stunts, you're walking through, you're giving yeah. dialogue, whatever. But, but we don't really care about you. We haven't seen any quirks, nothing. And we've seen... A, a lot of really cool insight into this character, trying to get an idea of how he works. And he's so, the concept of what he is is so foreign to our existence. Yeah. That just that in itself is kind of a puzzle to figure out where is he coming from? What are his motivations? And to see him kind of coming to terms with these emotions and these connections, which he's never really seen a point in mm-hmm. um especially not for him um it's really cool yeah and uh the yeah the smile on his face in the last scene that that's really such a big deal i don't understand that how how can it be pointless for him though when what he works with are people's dreams and so many dreams are about connection whether it's with a person or an object or a career or whatever, an action. It's like, how, how can you be so detached from that and yet be the one who gives that to people? How can you give what you don't have? Is I guess what I'm trying to say. Well, I think it, it reminds me, like I've known some people who worked as professional artists who would not even do a sketch on their own time so they can do the job but it Mm -hmm. it doesn't relate to who they are that's not how they would define themselves as a person like art was not their passion Mm, like cobbler has no shoes yeah and he is dream that is, that's just so so he's simultaneously dealing with everyone's dreams all at the same time he's seen these same kind of things um these same stories unfold over and over and over again he knows everybody like like that's one thing that was interesting when he um, met his friend i think the second or third time and he was saying um yeah when they were in um looked like they were doing a Whitechapel takeoff and he was describing what the person's history was 
he knows. He knows all that stuff. So it's old to him. He's seen it mm -hmm. unfold over and over and over again. And him being indifferent doesn't seem to change it. Um, I don't think he's yet seen that he could make a difference. He could make it very much yeah. better. Like, like, like when he was ready to, when he got his sand back, he didn't have any emotions about leaving this woman to die painfully on the couch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Constantine had to like kind of guilt, threaten slash guilt him into helping her go. Sh show some, so, you, you can do something, mm -hmm. do something. And so, yeah, so I think, I think he can do the job and not feel personally attached to it. And, um, cause yeah, it just happens over and over and humans don't live very long. So it's like, True. he sees so many, like, it's just going to happen. So yeah, I could see him having a, a serious case of job burnout. <laughs> uh, I really just appreciated seeing that first scene where, or those early scenes, early part of the scene where he was saying, you know, this was the quest and then I did it and now... I'm unhappy. I'm unfulfilled. I, I'm more powerful than I've ever been, and yet, nothing. Mm -hmm. I, I went to get my tools back, and yeah, you did everything you set out to do. You're a big time hero, and now what? Now you're feeding birds. I think that's the case for a lot of people, because you hear it all the time, mm -hmm. especially with people who get famous or whatever. I yeah. thought this award would bring me happiness or this role or this fucking record, this tour or whatever. Well, a lot of that, yeah, is, is people set, set it up as this big quest. It's mm -hmm. a big deal. They're, they're attempting a big deal. If they accomplish it, it's a big deal. And yeah, that's true. That is. But if you're not personally connected to it, then it doesn't matter. Like, like dreams sitting there feeding the birds, tossing these crumbs away, like, yeah, whatever. He could have really enjoyed that moment. Mm -hmm. Just like death, just really seemed thrilled that she had a really great tasting piece of fruit. There's something really important about be, being connected to the moments that we have. Just mm. little things. And you can be as connected to that as someone else who's going on their big quest. And in fact, that's kind of like what it should be. You should really be enjoying whatever you're doing. And, you know, it might be the last thing you do, you know. Um, you're going to be mopey and waste your moments. We're humans. Yes, we're going to. But philosophically. I have no idea what you're talking about, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, you, you've never I've had never those feelings. moped. What did you think of the hair, of Dream's hair throughout the centuries? Oh, there were some do's I appreciated more than others. He was looking a little Matt Mercery in some of those scenes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what the heck? That guy looks familiar. I just have to say that I'm I'm enough of a geek that it warms my heart that you um, just made a Matt Mercer <laughs> reference. <laughs> We're talking comic books. You're, you're, you know who Matt Mercer is. It's like the gold star for you. Oh, thank you. And then that one, I forgot what century it was. His hair was really long. 
And he looked like a vampire more than anything. Yeah, I think that was the second or third visit mm -hmm. where, 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 where he first, um, where he and Death first in the 1300s. Uh -huh. He had very long hair. I think, yeah, that was more more what you're thinking is the Matt Mercer hair. Yeah. But um, yeah, always a little bit, at least a little bit unkept. Mm -hmm. Except, except for like it was so short in the uh, when they were making the Jack the Ripper references. Yeah, um, that was very short. But yeah, usually there's like little bits and pieces, just a little bit off, but very carefully off, mm -hmm. like Perfectly any like off. any good goth kid. Yeah, worked very hard to look this casual and nonchalant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just he's got great hair. His character has great hair. Um, it's so much shorter than in the comics because it was. Yeah, the comics looks it's, it looks so much longer and wilder. You mm -hmm. know? But I think it looks good. I think the way they've got him characterized looks really fits the scene. You know. I still miss the starry eyes, but yeah. <laughs> he gets a little glinty eyes sometimes. Mm. Oh, the William Shakespeare. Yeah, that that was neat to see. Yeah, that's uh, because there was towards the end of the series there was a uh, special um, issue that that talked about what the deal he made with Shakespeare was, mm. and that that was really neat. That's that's another one of my favorite issues of the of the comics, and it was neat to see what a what a young dork Shakespeare looked like when he uh, went over <laughs> to talk to him. Yeah. Looked so young. Because, yeah, nobody even knows what Shakespeare really looked like. Mm -hmm. and of course, you know, there's, there's the debate, was he even a single person? But the general impression seems to be that he had a high forehead. And my favorite picture is the one where he looks like a pirate where he's got the big earring. But, mm. um, but yeah, nobody really knows because, uh, you know, nobody bothered to make a portrait of somebody um in that line of work mm -hmm. a questionable um line of work but um but yeah that was really cool to see him just young and starting out thank you for joining us as we review another episode of the sandman series if you'd like to continue the journey with us Subscribe to the podcast so you can stay in the loop of new episodes when they're released. If you'd like to check out Jeff's work, you can find him at jeffworks.com. That's J-E-F-F-W-E-R-X.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, please go to our channel on Anchor. You can find us at Platicast. That's P-L-A-T-I-C-A-S-T and click the message icon or you can find the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, or if you'd like to share your thoughts, hop on over to our website at platicas.com. That's P-L-A-T-I-C-A-S-T dot com. Or send us an email, platicas at gmail.com.
thank you for a lovely walk through the dream.